Today, we're going to talk about a sign. Uh, everybody here is looking for a sign. We're always looking for signs. Uh, we love signs. I'm half Greek and half Jewish. I'm always looking for a sign. I see signs in all creation. I see signs everywhere I go. I look for signs continuously because I believe that the footprints and fingerprints of God are everywhere. And I believe that if we would pay attention, you'll see him right in front of you. The challenge is we're often distracted by the cares of this world and other things, and we're not looking and paying attention. Sometimes God has to do this drastic, miraculous thing to get our attention. Sometimes it's hardship and difficulty and suffering. Sometimes we melt things down and burn things down. And remember what I said recently, I think it was last week, that God uses ashes to paint with. And so no matter where you've been or what you've done, God's always reaching out his hand to show himself to you. And today we're going to talk about probably what I would consider to be one of the greatest signs in the Bible. And I'm sure you all know what that's going to be since it happens to be Christmas, but that sign would be the birth of a son a son that was given to all of us for a reason and for a purpose. And there was a specific mention of a sign scripturally when the angels made the declaration that Jesus was born to the shepherds in the field. Let's look at that at Luke chapter 2, verse 12. Luke 2, 12. And this will be the sign given to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. So the sign wasn't actually a baby, in swaddling clothes, the sign was the manger. Because the King of Kings and the Messiah, the Son of God being born in a manger would be a supernatural sign. It wasn't just the fact that it was a baby. It was the fact of where the baby was born. And that's what I really want you to see today. Because the manger is a lot bigger of a sign that most of us realize. The word manger is not necessarily a barn or a stall, though that's how we interpret it. The word manger is actually a feeding trough, and that feeding trough could be in a barn or a stall. But really, in those days, what it was, was it was a place attached to the main house or the guest house where people could put their animals for the night to get shelter, to get food, to get water, and to be safe. The main definition of a manger is a makeshift crib that was used for fodder. It was a feeding trough for animals. The actual word for manger comes from a Latin word, mandir, which is where we get the word mandible or a jawbone. It means to chew or to eat. That's where the word manger comes from. And it's this mindset that Jesus would be born in a place where every single one of us would have access to, to come and eat specifically of himself. This word mandible or manger is very important because this is the sign. The sign is that Jesus would give himself so that all of us could come and eat of something that would last eternal, eternally. It would never fade away. Jesus was born in a food trough for a reason so that people just like us could come and eat. Whether we're in our old animal nature or whether we've been born again, every single person has access in the manger. It's not just for a select few. 
Jesus wasn't born in a royal palace. If Jesus would have been born in the inn, everyone wouldn't have had access. Do you understand that? So what everybody needs to see is that there's not a person in this room or listening to the sound of my voice that does not have access to the manger. Everybody can come and eat. And the reason why Jesus was born in a food trough is extremely important for all of us to see. The manger was located in a town called Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. Bethlehem was the place that Ruth and Naomi returned to during the time of a devastating drought. If you read the book of Ruth, there was a devastating drought, but the only place that you could find bread was in Bethlehem or the house of bread. That was Naomi's hometown. Look at Ruth chapter one, verse six. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. So when there's a drought everywhere around us, when the world is falling apart, God always has a house of bread where you can come and eat and not die. All we need is the Lord to visit us continuously. Because if the Lord's visiting this house, what's happening? There's bread. Man, just feel that. This would be a dead church if the presence of God didn't show up. And I know some people say, I don't feel the presence of God. Well, the good news is I do. And as the leader, as long as I'm feeling the presence of God, we're going to be all right. I promise you, I won't lead you off the cliff, okay? We won't sink the boat. You just got to get under the cloud. When the Lord visits, his, see the scripture. When the Lord visits his people, he gives them bread. Bread is, an, is always an abundant supply, no matter what famine or plague is in the land around us. No matter what the inflation rates are, no matter who's in the White House, no matter what's happening with bank rates in the economy, no matter what happens with your job, God always provides bread when there's a drought if we'll run to his house. When we were, when Fabian and his crew were demolished doing the demo work next door, I think it was Robert White snapped a picture of the steel girder. I've shown it to you guys before. Can you guys have that ready to pull up? There was a stamp on a steel girder in the new sanctuary that said Bethlehem. Can you guys see that? Now that comes from Bethlehem Steel in Pennsylvania. But do you think this is a sign? <laughs> Some say, oh, that's just coincidence. Okay. You can live in your world of coincidence. I'll live in my world of supernatural signs. How's that, right? <laughs> this is a house of bread. This worship, see, I ate before I came here and I ate when I got here. And when I say ate before I came here, I sat over by the water off Laguna Shores for two hours. I do that every Sunday. 
because God's into spots. It's not always the same spot, but I go sit with the Lord. I just sit and I meditate. I'm not worried about the message. I know these words. I've, this isn't my first Christmas, nor is it yours, right? This is not the first time I read the story. But the point is, is that you have to realize that God has something for you better than natural food and drink which fades away and is only temporary. I don't care how good the food is. I don't care how fresh the salmon and the lobster is or the, how fresh the steak is, Pittsburgh style, charred on the outside and medium rare on the inside, making you hungry now. The manger would offer lodging, food, water, safety, and security. It also offered a spot. Let's say this together, say, God's into spots. So God knew a long time ago, the father knew the spot. He knew the spot. Everything was divinely orchestrated. The census, the timing, the town, the stall, the trough. Everything was divinely orchestrated by God supernaturally because God is in to spots. The Bible is full of spots. The Bible is full of places where God would supernaturally invade earth and man would encounter him. And they would build altars or set up stones and it would be places of remembrance. But God's always into spots. And my prayer is that Rock City would continuously be a spot. We're not the only spot. God's got a lot of spots. We're not the only church where God's showing himself strong. We want God to pour out himself to all the churches in the city. This is not about me or Rock City. You gotta just find your spot and you gotta know where the spot is that God's taking you. Let me tell you, I got a lot of spots and my prayer is that every time we come here, this would be a spot like the manger. I want Rock City Church. It's been prophesied by several fathers of this house that this church is like a manger. And my prayer is that the name of the Lord would be revealed here, that the nations could come and find food and sustenance, the outcasts, the hurting, the broken, the in debt, the worst of the worst. All y'all, anybody has access here. Whether you're right out of prison, no matter the life you're living, no matter where you're at, there's always a place at the table here. Now that doesn't mean you should stay the same. But here's what I know. When you eat this food, it changes you. If you only eat processed food, you're going to be sick and die. But when you eat raw foods and when you eat some good red meat, sorry to all the vegans, but I'm making a point, the nourishment and the nutrition that brings health to your body is like nothing else. So what happens when you eat the right food? It changes you from the inside out. So my job and the, the job of this house is to beckon people to the table to eat. And if you'll eat of Christ, your life will be changed. I just got to get some of y'all to eat beyond Sunday morning. You guys go on a six-day fast. And then you show up once a week for food. God's spot on the day that Jesus was born Think about it. Divinely orchestrated was 
a food trough. And that was the sign. You will see this is your sign, the food trough. The manger was the sign, but it wasn't the trough itself because what good would an empty trough be if there's no food in it? The sign was Christ in the trough. And whenever you find God's presence, whenever you find a move of the spirit, whenever you find power, wherever you find perfect love, wherever you find a people flamed on and hungry for the things of God, you will find Christ in a food trough. The manger gives us a sign that it's in places like the manger that Jesus would actually be birthed. So when you find a lot of messy people and there's a little bit of stink in the air, I know some of y'all are looking for a perfect church, but the minute you got here, this church became imperfect. Can I get an amen? Y'all should be, be amening me to that. When you find people that are hurting and broken, when you find people that stink a little bit or have animal natures, I'm a, see, I'm attracted to that. Partly because I have land and I understand animals and I actually love my animals. I don't always love feeding them and caring for them and the money that it costs me to buy the feed. But I wanna say to you that there's something about caring for broken, hurting, dying, lost, messed up, jacked up, stinky, smelly, broken, manger, animal people. Should I keep going? Should I keep going? I'm gonna get some of y'all. I'll try to get everyone in this room at one time. Whether you're religious and you got a pharisaical spirit or whether you are living like the devil, the truth is, in a proper house, it's more like a manger than a palace. And when you find a manger, who's getting birthed? And if you don't get past the skeptical eyes and you don't get past the religious spirit, you're gonna look down on the animals instead of feed them. And there's a lot of animals in this house today. <laughs> They're all around us. Let me remind you guys again, I'm gonna say this again. One of the most strategic things about the manger was that everyone has access. You don't have to have a reservation. You don't have to have special privilege. You don't have to know somebody. Anybody can come to the table or come to the food trough. The sign was that the King of Kings, the Messiah and the Savior of Israel and our Savior would be born in a manger. It's a lowly place where animals were taken to find the same thing that Joseph and Mary were needing that night and the same thing that all of us need every single day. We all need real food, real drink. We all need something that lasts. We all need shelter, safety, comfort, friendship, community. We all need that. And there's something about a manger that provides that. The issue is our own selves with skeptical eyes looking down on one another because of the issues and the more prophetic and revelatory you become, or some of y'all are so discerning that you're now skeptical, you've taken your discernment into skepticism and you have, a judge, you have judgmental eyes. 
I'm going to say this as I've said it a thousand times. I don't care where you've been or what you've done. You can always come here, repent, give your life to Christ and run back to him if it's a thousand times over because he had grace and mercy and forgiveness for me and why wouldn't he do it for you? And yeah, I may not like what some of y'all are doing and how, I, yeah, I should. I think to myself, y'all should have known better, but I knew better when I did the things that I did. So why don't we have some mercy and grace and compassion and keep it more like a manger than a perfect palace? The spiritual principle is that Jesus would become fodder, food for livestock. Fodder is food for livestock. Jesus was born in a food trough because he became the fodder. And I understand this is a spiritual principle and some's like, man, Jesus is food. Yes, Jesus is food. He said it repeatedly more times than I can tell you. And if you're not eating and drinking from him, eating and drinking directly from him, you are malnourished, sick, and will die. And I can't say it any other way. I love you. I care about you. But man shall not live by bread and bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Our old nature is an animal nature. My favorite Def Leppard song was Animal. You know what I wanted to title this message? Welcome to the manger. We got what you need. I'm gonna pull some of y'all out of the jungles what I'm gonna do. My wife would have no idea what song I just sang, none. Our old nature's an animal nature, and yet even today with our new nature, the Lord calls us his sheep, and he's the shepherd. You never stop being a sheep. You just change your animal nature for a new nature. All of us need places to lie down, green pastures, still waters, all of us need true food that satisfies way beyond the temporary pleasure of an earthly meal. I don't care how much good food you've eaten, your body's gonna break it down, you're gonna let it out in the bathroom, and you'll always be craving another meal. But the food that Christ provides, it satisfies. And I'm telling y'all that I know it because I've had the best meals the best drink, the best drugs, I've experienced it, I've tasted it, and it never satisfied. Think spiritual bread, think spiritual wine, think spiritual honey, think spiritual milk. Jesus is the Father and he beckons us to come to him. I've quoted this scripture many times, Isaiah 55 verse one says, "'Ho, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and any of you who have no money, come by and eat.'" Yes, you. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price because what Jesus provides, none of your money, gold, diamonds, rings, status, social status, wealth, none of it can buy what Jesus provides. And he's beckoning you. We're all being beckoned every single day to come and buy and eat what really satisfies. Verse two, why are we spending money? Why are we toiling and laboring and working and spending our, our wages on what doesn't really satisfy? It never really satisfies. Temporary pleasures never really satisfied. Satisfies. Why do we spend on what's not bread and our wages on what doesn't satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what's good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. God wants you to have an abundant soul. 
It, he wants you to delight in abundance. This does not negate the fact that you'll have hardship, difficulty, trouble. This, I mean, like I've said a thousand times over, just get married, number one, or just have kids, or work a job, or just live life. The point is, is that all of us can have an abundant soul no matter what struggles and challenges are happening around us because the joy of the Lord is your strength. It doesn't mean you're always happy. It doesn't mean that there are times where you're like stressed, worried, anxious, but you gotta learn to give that to the Lord. There are a lot of things in this world that don't make me happy, but I run to the source so that I could delight my soul in abundance because if I'm not having an abundant soul, I'm running to something else to find it. People are hungry and thirsty. And it's far more than just physical food. Let's revisit the sign dynamic again. All of us are looking for signs at any given time, or at least we should be. Like signs on a road, signs on a highway, signs in an airport that tell you where to go. God has signs all around you that reveal himself, his love, his desires, his word, and his plan for you. God's always got signs around you. God's greatest signs on earth are his people and the testimonies that, he's, that they carry. Show me a person with a testimony. How I once lived, what I once did, and what God took me out of it, and how he saved my life, and now I don't do those things anymore. And even if I do stumble and fall, there's mercy and grace, and God's forgiven me every single time. So one of God's greatest signs on earth is his people. You are a sign. Let's say that together. I am a sign. And it's funny because I get in front of people all the time and I tell them the truth and they're like looking for a sign somewhere else. It's like the guy in the flood on the top of the house praying to God for the sign. Here came the boat. Here came the helicopter. Here came all the other ways to be rescued, but he was looking for some supernatural sign from God. And the sign was the people that God sent and the ways that he sent them. So God wants to make you a sign. I am clearly a sign standing right in front of you with an incredible testimony, but your life is also a sign of what God has done or what God wants to do. And I'll say this to you, your troubles and your problems today are your testimonies tomorrow. The hardships and difficulties that you're going through, if you'll stay the course and not give up, I promise you God will turn it for good and tomorrow it will become a testimony. And then we have his creation. Again, why so many people say, I just love the mountains and the beach, and I'd rather be on a boat fishing than in the house of God, which is a deceptive lie. But what happens is when they get out to the mountains and the beach or under the stars or out fishing on a boat is that you are out in God's creation. So you feel God, and they're like, this is my church. No, it's not. God has a house, a house of bread. He has a family, he has a community. The problem is most of those people don't like the stink, the stench, the smell when they walk in. And many times they're the ones that brought it in with them. It's like, you're, it's like bad breath. You're the last one to know. The point is, is God has a manger and all of you are part of it. No matter where you've been, what you've done and how much you can bust, you're loved, you're cared for, you're forgiven and you're covered because love covers a multitude of sins. And that doesn't mean that it's okay, but you'll get straight talk and you'll get a lot of mamas and papas and fathers in here that will love you will stand with you, will fight with you in the trenches. This is a trench fighting church. It's not about your feelings because facts don't care about your feelings. And the facts are 
God loves you and set a standard in place by his word. You don't break God's laws, they break you. Live out of his design, you'll go out of your mind. No one gets to, no one gets to bypass this. No celebrity, no pastor, no one bypasses the process of God's standard and God's, whether we like it or not, whether we feel good about it or not. Rock City is the sign and the words that we bring as his messengers are signs. Every week when you walk in this house, God should be speaking to you unless you've closed up your ears and you don't wanna hear what he has to say. But I can assure you there's a reason why there's so many people here today and at next service and why this church is growing the way it is because there's a cloud of God's presence, there's a food trough here and there's a baby in the food trough being birthed in the hearts of men every single time we walk in. In John chapter six, we read the story of Jesus and his disciples feeding 5,000 people on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. This is John 6. The multitude of people had seen the signs of Jesus bringing healing and deliverance to so many, and so they followed him to the other side of the, the lake on the next day, and they wondered, how in the world did you get here? Well, in sandwiched in between that, Jesus walked on the water on the night. So he walked across the lake. He didn't need to take a boat. The next day, they're looking for Jesus because they had seen all the signs of him healing the sick and the oppressed, and he fed them bread and fish from five loaves and two fish from a little boy's lunch. So they followed him to the other side of the sea to track him down, and they're like, how did you get here? And I want you to see Jesus's response. John chapter 6, verse 26 Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for food which perishes, verse 27, but the food which endures to everlasting life, which the son of man will give you because God the father has set his seal on him. So people were going to Jesus for a handout, not a hand up. And that's the problem with toxic charity is that I can tell you right now a story. You know how many homeless people I minister to? They're not really homeless. They're more like transients that are choosing to be homeless. It doesn't mean I don't care about the outcasts, the hurting, the broken, the needy, and the homeless. That's not what I'm saying. So don't read through that. But I have met more people that choose to live on the streets so that they don't have to have any accountability or authority or responsibility in their life. And I've offered more and more of them ways out, whether that's housing, whether that's help, clothes, food, and we still do those things for many of them. But more people want a handout than a hand up. Notice that Jesus says, you sought me, not because of the true signs, but because of the bread, right? What was the true sign? It wasn't the food, it was the sun. And I wanna say to all of us, we, we treat our Sunday mornings not much different. We come to church to be fed, feed me, feed me, feed me, and Jesus is pre presented week in and week out. And yet, what do we really want more? And I love y'all to know, keep coming, please. I'm not out to beat you up, but the best thing this church has to offer is not a handout, it's a hand up. 
We have one of the one of the best recovery programs in the city. We have a human trafficking organization. We have a YWAM ships ministry going to take ships to the nations. We have Majesty Outdoors reaching fatherless youth. And yet we come in week in and week out and say, feed me, feed me, feed me. And many will leave and go to the church down the street and they'll say, I'm not being fed. And we should repent. Because this isn't a once a week feeding time. There's no dinner bell once a week. You'll get Jesus when you walk in here, but the best thing for you to do is learn to commune and talk to Jesus the next six days and come to the feeding trough. There's always a feeding trough available for you. And at some point you mature to the spot where it stop, you stop taking. He's not looking for an audience. He wants an army. This isn't consumer Christianity. This isn't Disneyland Peter Pan Church. And I love you guys. Listen, I love you. I'm, I'm gonna challenge you week in and week out. And we're not the only one. I'm not gonna tell you that the churches down the street aren't having an outpouring from the Lord as well. They are, and I know those pastors well. Let's thank God for that. But find your tribe, follow the spirit, stay where you're planted, get rooted, get healthy, and stop living on the milk bottle. It's time to eat some meat. God's got fillets and steaks and spiritual lobster for you. And my mouth is watering right now. <laughs> so this is such a powerful thing. The people were really going after him because they were saying, feed me, feed me, feed me. And he's saying, you're coming to me for the bread, but you missed the sign. They wanted their bellies full of more of that awesome natural bread and fish than their spirit and their soul filled. They had completely missed the sign. They sought him for food that perishes, not food that endures to everlasting life, which only comes from Jesus. So notice what Jesus said in verse 27. This word labor, why are you working for food that perishes? The word labor is, is synonymous with the word toil. Toil always leads to stress. It always leads to anxiety. It always leads to the sweat of your brow. And I'm not against a good sweat and hard work. My point I'm trying to make is, if you are laboring for food that doesn't perish, you will be stressed, anxious, worried, broke, busted, disgusted, and you may have all the money in the world, but you'll never be satisfied. You'll never be satisfied. That's why you need food that endures to everlasting life. We need to stop worrying and toiling in our own strength and laboring for what matters more. Your jobs are stepping stones to something greater. Your money, your family all have a greater purpose than to just live and die. Luke 12, 29 through 31, look at what Jesus said. Don't seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. You know why this scripture is so important? Because if you're chasing after the things of this world, anxiety always ensues. But when your mind is on Christ and your heart's on Christ and your eyes are on Christ, you know what he does? Even when anxiety knocks on your door, which it will, fear, worry, doubt, stress, depression, all that tries to come, lies. He's the father of lies, so he's always accusing you. He always wants you to believe a lie and to quit and to give up and to run away. He always does. But when your eyes are on Jesus, anxiety cannot take root into your heart 
And usually anxiety is because our eyes are on the things of this world, your next job, your next paycheck, money, 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 money. I'm gonna say this to all y'all every single week. We live for the paycheck and then we call one another. He's a good man because he worked 50 hours, 60 hours a week, wasn't around his family, but he provided for them. And just because you provide for your family does not make you a good man. God is the provider. You understand? I'm not opposed to hard work. Some of y'all are the hardest workers. We got a hard labor force in this church. Oil field, guys that will turn wrenches and do whatever it takes. And I respect that. I understand that. But Christ must be front and center always in your life. And you need to believe and trust God that you won't have to labor and toil by the sweat of your brow because it always leads to anxiety. And you know what happens when you're, anxiety, when you're anxious? You always look for something else to comfort you. So he says, don't be like them. Verse 30, for all things, for all these things, the nations of the world seek after, and the Father knows that you have need of them, but seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. So the Father, the Father, your dad, your daddy, your spiritual daddy knows what you need. So we teach our kids run after careers and money and paychecks when we should be teaching them run after Christ because he's your father. And he, he says right here, black and white on the screen, he knows what you need, he's your dad, and if you'll seek him first, he'll add all things unto you. Remember my friend who's a multimillionaire came to my little house in Port Aransas? He said, you know, I have to make $250,000 a month just to make but my personal budget. You know how much responsibility and stress that comes with that? What I would do to make just $75,000 a year and live a much more simpler life. Everything is a sacrifice, friends. Everything is a sacrifice. And if it's leading to anxiety and fear and worry and stress and doubt, you're eating the wrong food or pursuing the wrong food. John 6, Jesus made some very clear things about statements about him becoming fodder. Jesus himself is the fodder and the food that we need. John 6, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. John 6, 35 and 36, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I love this last part, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet you don't believe. There are people that can see Jesus plain as day and still not believe. Even today, we can eat and drink and worship and still have doubt and fear and worry and anxiety inside of our hearts. John chapter six, verse 50, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. So Jesus gave himself for the life of the world. That's for every single one of us. So the Jews argued, how can this man give of his flesh? And Jesus said in verse 53, unless you eat of my flesh of the son of man and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. There's no life. And he goes on to say that he's the, he is actually the manna that came down from heaven. So I'll leave you with this. We have no life in us without true daily communion. There's power in his broken body and his shed blood, power to endure, overcome, and have eternal life. There's also power to be resurrected. So he went on to say, in the last days, those that eat and drink will be raised up. So anybody that's dead and dying here today or needs a resurrection in their life, 
God wants to raise you up out of the pit, the mud, the muck, and the miry clay. This is the supernatural experience. The best thing I can do is present him to you and you say yes and grab a hold of him. What we need is true food and drink that satisfied us and it only comes from knowing and abiding with him. Abide, 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 abide. I can't say it enough to you. The minute you stop abiding is the minute you stop eating and it's the minute you stop getting nourished. So return to your first love, return to your first love. I'm challenging everyone here to return to their first love. Go back to the things when he saved you in the beginning. Go back to the supernatural outpouring of grace when he pulled you out of the way that you used to be. And if you haven't experienced it, I wanna challenge you all to grab a hold of it today. There's no better day than December 24th. You'll always remember it. The day you rededicated your life or the day you gave your life to the Lord for the first time. There's no better day than today. There's a trough, there's a baby, there's a manger, and there's a lot of bread in the house of bread. Just look at verse 57 again. This is John 6, 57. I want you to see this. There's three words in here that are very important. I'm the living, as the living father sent me, I live because of the father. So he who feeds on me will live. I eat a lot of Jesus. You have to, I have to. If I didn't eat a lot of Jesus, I would not like a lot of you in here. I'm serious. You wouldn't like me either. Right? <laughs> you have to. Responsibility, kids, family, the world we're living in, all of it is, can be so difficult. And God doesn't want you to live anxious and stressed and worried. What if you could have a greater trust in the Father, consume from Jesus every day, find your spot. I got spots all over this town. I got one out by the airport. I sit right by the runway at the end of Bird Lane. There's a little parking lot. I have a spot under this turnaround. I got a spot over the bridge under the turnaround over there. I have a spot off Laguna. I got a spot in my house. I got a spot on the property. I got a spot down ocean. I got a spot downtown on the tea head. And I say, Lord, where do you want to meet me today? He says, I want to meet you here. This is where I want you to go. You got to learn to find your spots. This is a spot. And God is here and he wants you to encounter him today. Last verse and we'll pray. 1 Corinthians 10, chapter one. Moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock, which is Christ, that followed them, and the rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. And it goes on to name the things that the people lusted after. Idolatry, eating and drinking and partying, sex, sexual fornication, tempting Christ, and constant complaining. They all go hand in hand. Every single one of them was under the cloud, and they all ate and drank from the same rock. Now, I love you, and every time you come here, there will be a food trough, and Jesus will be here for us to eat and drink. But I'm not here for the fun of it, and I'm not here to just have a nice time. I got a lot of other things I could be doing. 
I'm here because I'm called and I'm here because you were called. This life is much more than natural food and drink and jobs. Jesus wants to be birthed in you and will never change, be transformed, and we won't have eternal life if we are not eating and drinking from the spiritual food. But even then, many can eat and drink and still be perishing. You don't break God's laws, they break you. Porn, drugs, fighting, arguing, wars, your mouth, all those things God wants to crucify so that he can transform you into a new creation. There's a food trough here and this is the sign. There's a sign here today for every single one of us. There's a sign. We say, God, I gotta have more. It's like, yeah, I'm all you need. If your eyes are on Christ, a good friend told me, if your eyes are on Christ, it doesn't actually matter where you are because you'll be where you're supposed to be. So today, if you listen to these things I'm gonna throw out and you ask yourself, is this me? And if it is, then I want you to really pray. Number one, you're not satisfied. That's a telltale. You're laboring for something that doesn't satisfy. You just, you no rest, no peace, anxiousness, worry. If you have anxiety, it's often because we're laboring for things that don't satisfy. Next, if you have hidden secret things in your life, I want you to give it up to the Lord. If you're honest with the Lord, he'll take it and deal with it. You don't even have to confess it to me. Right today, no matter what it is, if you'll give it to him. Jesus is here today, Christmas Eve morning. He was birthed to give life to the world. He wants to give himself to you because he loves you, okay? So if you are dissatisfied, anxious, worried, if you got things in your life, even if you've been eating and drinking, but you know these things need to be dealt with, I don't want you scattered in the wilderness. What does it mean to be scattered in the wilderness? Does anybody, can anybody say, I feel scattered in the wilderness? If that's you, there's wilderness out these doors. God doesn't want us to be scattered in it. So we have to stop complaining. We have to say, Lord, I don't want to live like that anymore. And if that's you, then I want you to pray a prayer with me today. All right? I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Just close your eyes right where you're at. God, I thank you so much that this is a house of bread. This is a manger. There's a food trough and there's a baby that was birthed. For you so loved us that you gave your only begotten son. Lord, I thank you that today we can come to you. We have access. And I pray that everyone in this house, Lord, would run to you for sustenance, satisfaction, for food that lasts unto eternal life. Lord, anyone here that has been anxious, stressed, worried, anybody that's sick, anybody that's hurting, anybody that's had fear or feels alone, God, I pray that today you would comfort them, that you would reveal yourself to them in a beautiful way.
We're coming to you, Lord. God, I ask that you would forgive us and have mercy. Let's just all pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me for chasing after the things of this world and not chasing after you. Have mercy. I don't want to go through the religious motions. I don't want to eat bread that doesn't satisfy. I want to eat from you. I want true communion. Your broken body and the blood that was shed to wash away my sins. Forgive me, God. I'm sorry. I'm tired of doing things my own way. I want to do them your way, Lord. Take away an anxious mind and forgive me for protecting myself. I put my trust in you and I ask that you forgive me. Lord, teach me, help me to abide with you and to commune with you every day, night and day, continuously. I need you, Jesus. Have mercy on my life, God, and forgive me. I'm sorry, and I ask for help. Invade my space, Lord. And anytime I run to the things of the world, redirect me by your spirit back to you. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for coming to this earth in a manger so that we could have true food, the bread of life. And now, Lord, I just pray over everyone that came today, everybody that's listening. I pray that they would have the best Christmas of their life, celebrating you, celebrating friends and family. God, I pray for purity, holiness, righteousness, and truth to prevail. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And that's what I pray for this Christmas, 2023, that it would be righteousness, peace, and joy more than meat and drink, God, that it would be about you and that we'd celebrate you and we'd love really well. Bridle our hearts and bridle our tongues and cause us, Lord, to be a good and accurate reflection of who you are. I bless everybody that's come today, all the family members that have traveled, all of you that are in from out of town. I pray a rich and wonderful time for you tonight, tomorrow, as your kids, they celebrate and open up gifts. I pray, God, that it would be so joyous and rich and full of life and love and full of your presence. I pray the presence of God right into your homes, your cars, every place you go, even your relative's house, even there. I pray the presence of God. Carry it with you, beloved, and eat and drink from the Lord and be satisfied. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all so much. You guys have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you guys for coming.